0: I will just read one verse, then I will share the word of God for a few minutes, and um, we will be on our way. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter four. I'm reading from verse fourteen. That is the verse from where the theme of the conversion is gotten. Luke four fourteen, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out the fame of him throughout the region round about. By the grace of God, this morning, I will be sharing a convention opening session message titled, Living in the Power of the Spirit. Living in the Power of the Spirit. Shall we pray? Father, thank you because your eyes are over us and your ears are inclined to our prayers. Thank you for the dedicated word that you are sending to us today to give to us what you know will last us, not just for time but for eternity. Thank you because of what you are opening our eyes to today and what you are planting as a seed within our hearts. Help us to yield to you. And to be doers of your word, we thank you for all that's been done already in this service, and we thank you for what will yet be done. Be glorified for all things. Father, stretch forth your hand and touch us, Refresh us, transform us and impact us with your presence and your power. and let your glory be revealed in this place, Father. Thank you. We honor you, Lord, anoint me as an oracle to speak among the people as your people, the sheep of your pasture, to receive the word you are sending. That you in everything may be glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. One thing that differentiates Christianity from many other religions of the world is that Christianity does not consist... In do's and don'ts, but Christianity is a way of life that God has called us to live. If you are a child of God, what you have been called to do is to live in a particular way. Not just to stop doing some things and to begin to do some things. When he gave us eternal life by reason of the new birth, he empowered us to be able to live in a way different. From the way we were born to live, and from the way we have lived before meeting him. 1 John 5.11 says this is the record, that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12 says, he that has the son has life. He that has not the son has not life. So it's important for us to know that the Christian life is a way of life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are for. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. He is a new self. He is in a new world altogether. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I understood this fact from the very beginning. That what makes Christianity different from Judaism under the Old Testament was that Judaism consisted of do's and don'ts. Thou shalt not, thou shalt do, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt do. But Christianity is an invitation to begin to live in a different, to begin to live a different life altogether. That's why John 10, 10 says, The thief comes not but to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that you may have life and live this life to fool. So the Christian life or Christianity it's a way of life it does not consist in don't wear don't eat, don't go don't have, don't see don't talk it consists more in a lifestyle that God is calling us to and from the beginning I understood that fact as a Christian over 27 years ago Psalm 27 verse 1 says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life Of whom shall I be afraid? So Christianity is a way of life. If your way of life did not change after your so-called born-again experience, then you may actually not have been saved. If you are still living the way you used to live before, then it simply means that probably you are not yet saved. The greatest evidence of the Christian life is transformation in lifestyle. I like that song we sing in those days when we we're young Christians. It goes like this. The things I used to do, I do them no more. The things I used to do, I do them no more. The things I used to do, I do them no more. There's a great change since I'm born again. Great change since I'm born again. Great change since I'm born again. There's a great change change since i'm born again there is a great change since i'm born again christianity is made up of a a new lifestyle and so when i became a christian one of the things i did was to resolve about some things that i was going to begin to pursue as my high watermark of my commitment and dedication to christ I had seven resolutions when I gave my life to Christ. Till today, those resolutions are perhaps the most important things in my life. I resolved that I was going to live in seven different ways. I resolved that the life I was going to begin to live was going to be characterized by certain things. Because I discovered that the Christian faith is a lifestyle. It's not just not doing or doing. That was what Judaism stood for. And Christ came to introduce us to this lifestyle. So that you and I can begin to live in the way that Christ wants us to live. And in the way that God ordained our life should be. If your lifestyle is not yet changed, then you may not be saved. You may have come out to answer another call. You may have repeated the sinner's prayer. But the greatest evidence of a a born again Christian is that there is transformation. I'm not just talking about rejuvenation. I'm talking about transformation. From the center of your life, something gets changed that begins to affect every other thing about your life, about your conduct. So when I got saved, I, I, I made several resolutions. Until today, those several resolutions are important consideration in my life. They are the seven things I keep using to assess my performance as a Christian. They are valuable to me. They have remained valuable for years and they will remain valuable. But there are seven things I resolved and I'm going to share them with you and I'm going to explain a few things and by the grace of God, the message God has given to me today will come to you to bless you, to refresh you, to challenge you, to provoke you and to motivate you. For a change of lifestyle. I had seven different resolutions. I made seven different resolutions. And I'm going to share them with you. I don't know whether you have resolutions. Or standards by which you live. But these are the standards by which I live. And they are important things I consider. In whether I'm doing well as a Christian. Or not doing well enough as a child of God. My first resolution was this. Number one. I resolved. That I was going to live as I ought to live. I resolved that I was going to live the Christian life as I ought to. I was not just going to do some things and not do some things. But I resolved I was going to live as I ought to. I know the word of God has standards as to how we are supposed to live. Galatians 2.27 Christ have I mean Galatians 2 20 says I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I resolved without anybody encouraging me that I was going to live as I ought to live. First Timothy 4:12 says, Be thou an example of the Christian. I resolved, I was going to live as a Christian. In other words, in every area with reference to everything, my life will be the life of a typical believer, the life of a typical born-again person. I was not just going to have the correct moves and the wrong motives. I was not just going to live in a particular way before men. I live in a particular way when men are not there. I was going to live constantly and continuously like I ought to live. I will live like I ought to live in such a way that what you see is what you get. I'm not acting, I'm not performing, I'm not putting up. I will live as I ought to live. And I made that resolution that I was going to be a Christian in spirit and in truth. I was going to live a godly life. I was going to live the Christ-like kind of life. That was my first resolution, that I was going to live as I ought to live. Today, that is a basis on which, uh, on which I use in examining my life. Am I living as I ought to live? Am I living as I ought to live? Let me ask you this question. Do you have a resolution when you gave your life to Christ that you are going to live as you ought to live? Circumstance will not dictate how I live. My friends will not dictate how I live. The town I am in will not dictate how I live. The job that I do will not dictate how I live. The fact that people are praying will not dictate how I live. I will live as I ought to live. Second resolution. I also resolved that I was going to live a life that will justify the price that was paid for me on the cross of Calvary. I knew that God had to pay a very heavy price through the sacrifice of his son. And my resolution was, the second resolution, was that I was going to live in a way that will show that his labor on the cross and the sacrifice of God and Jesus Christ on the cross was worth it after all. My life will be a true reflection of what Christ paid for. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 said, You are bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 7, 23 says, We are bought with a price. So I resolved that I was going to live a life that will show that what Christ died for is practically operational and experiential in my life. My life will reflect as it were the gains of the cross there are christians today who are still suffering from things that christ paid for so i resolve whatever I will need to do wherever i need to go whatever will be demanded of me i will live a life that will justify the price that was paid for me on the cross of calvary i will live that life the life that will show that the labors of christ the labor of love was not in vain the sacrifice was not in vain the energy that was put into the, 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 whole, the whole Easter story was not in vain. I made up my life. I was going to live a life that would justify that the sufferings of Christ was worth it. I was going to live in the fullness of the promises that the sufferings of Christ came to make available. I mean, I was going to live above sin. Because Christ came and was offered as a sacrifice for sin. I was going to live above poverty. Because it came to eradicate poverty. And caused man once again to prosper. And I also purposed, resolved, I was going to live about sickness and disease. I was going to do everything, go to every extent. Through proper diet, through exercise, through rest. And through all the positive things. To make sure that my life reflects what divine health or divine life is all about. Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. And be in health even as your soul prosperous i resolved i was going to live a life that will justify the sacrifice of christ on the cross of calvary my top resolution number three i also resolved that i was going to live a life that would be a true reflection of my potential as a human being and as a believer i resolved that i was going to live a life that was going to be a true reflection of my potential as a human being and as a believer in other words i made up my mind that everything that is in me that god has deposited in me to be expressed will be fully expressed paul said i press towards the mark philippians three fourteen, towards the mark for the price of the high calling of god in christ jesus everything god has put in me to be expressed the potentials the word potential is from the word potent the word potent means ability to do when they say something is potent, it means it carries an ability to perform a particular task. So I made up my mind. I will make sure I press myself. I'll demand of myself. Compare myself. To live a life that will be a true reflection of my potential. Of my potential. I will be who he wants me to be. I will have what he wants me to have. I will do what he wants me to do. I will fulfill the purpose that he has put in within me. I will not in any way have things I can do but will not do. I will not in any way. I will not in any way have a place I can get to. I will not get there. I will be fully expressed. I will be fully expressed. All what I have in me will come forth, will be manifest. All that I'm capable of, as it were, will be shown. What is in me will be birthed what i have in me that good thing will be expressed i will not just acknowledge the good thing in me but it will come forth it will become evident i resolved that i was going to live a life that will be a full expression of my potentials number four resolution then i resolved number four that i was going to live a life that will please god i didn't say i was going to please man And I'm not interested in pleasing man. I have never had to please man. My moves, my commitment, my labor, the place I go, are not intended to be in the good books of man. Because in which man's good book do you want to be in? But I made up my mind I was going to please God. That was the commitment of Jesus. Jesus had a commitment to please the Father. In Hebrews ten seven, Hebrews 10, 9, he says, Lo, I come as is written of me in the volume of the books to do your will. I came down from heaven, he said in John 6, 38, not to do my own will, but the will of he that sent me. He committed to please his heavenly father. Hebrews 13, 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for we such sacrifices, God is well pleased. My goal is pleasing God. To please means to satisfy. To please means to be the delight of I resolved. I made that unequivocal commitment that I was going to please God. Jesus pleased the heavenly father. John chapter 8 verse 29. He said, my father who sent me is always with me. And I'm not letting me alone because I do those things that are well pleasing in his sight. Paul encouraged the Thessalonian Christians to please God. In Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1, he said, we have taught you how you ought to walk and please God. He that warret and ganglet not himself with the affairs of this world, that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. When people are not pleased, it doesn't move me. Because Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's way please the Lord, he will make even his enemies to be at peace. You cannot please God and please man. But when you please God, God will sort out man. God knows how to sort men out. But when you please men and you don't please God, no man can sort it out. But when you please God and displease men, God knows how to sort it out. The apostles pleased men and God sorted out Lisa Henry. hundred. David pleased God and God sorted out Saul. You should never be afraid about what people say, about how determined they are, and what they are trying to do to oppose you. Once you resolve to please God, then let your lifestyle be judged according to whether you are pleasing God or not. Not according to whether you are in the good books of people or not. Some people in whose good books, I used to be. I'm not a guy in their good books, but it doesn't bother me one bit. It doesn't move me one, one tittle. Because Paul was saying something in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, 11. He said, I certify you, brethren. He was talking about the gospel that he was preaching. He said, his heart desire was to please God. Because if he want to please man, he said, you are not worthy to be a servant of God. The man you please today will be displeased tomorrow. So why try to please them? The things you do today and they say, wow, there has arisen a great prophet in Israel. Tomorrow you do something else and they said, well, the man is full of devils. Today they are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Tomorrow, because of some other things in another area, they are saying crucify him. Jesus' desire was never, and I learned that from him, mine is never and will never be to be in the good books of anybody. If people are happy about it, fine. If they are not, mm-hmm, it doesn't make anything. If you don't look for men's condemn- commendation, their condemnation will not bother you. But if you are looking for men's commendation, then their condemnation will mean something to you. But if men's commendation means nothing, then their condemnation will mean the same thing. But I resolved; it was my resolution that I was going to please God. I saw what happened to those who did not please God. First Corinthians ten verse five. He said with many of them, God was not well pleased. So I resolved, number four, that I was going to please God. It was a resolution. Number five resolution that I made was that I also resolved, he said this was a resolution. And today that is what I guide my life with. What I'm doing, what I'm saying, where I am, does it please God? If it please God, I'm so happy. Because that is the one with whom I have to deal. Every other human being, I know God will settle them. Hebrews fought at it. we are naked and open in the eyes of God, with whom we have to deal. And it's important for us to please God. It's important for us to please God. It's crucial, it's central. It was the secret of Jesus' life. It was the secret of Paul's life. He applied himself to it, and that carried him and moved him, even to the cross. Let me say this to you. Not even many of the people that Jesus worked with, were pleased that he died on the cross. The apostles were not happy that he died on the cross. His mother may not have been happy that he died on the cross, but did it please God? Yes, it did. The emphasis of his ministry may not have pleased many of his followers, but did it please God? Yes, it did. And once it does, you can pillow your head on the promise of God and expect Him to sort people out. The fifth resolution I made was that I resolved to live a life. Where I will be an inspiration And an example To people I resolve to live a life That will attract people to serve my God In a way different From the way they have seen him And in a way different from what, the way they have served him I made up my, li- my mind I resolve That I was going to live a life That will attract people to Jesus That will attract people to have What they see in me I made up my mind, I was going to acquire and possess qualities that will make, that will whet people's appetites for God. I made up my mind, because Christ was an example. And that was one of his resolutions. You see, most of the things I resolved, I could see were things that Jesus also resolved when God sent him to the world. I resolved, I was going to live the life of an example in ministry an example in carriage, an example in character. I was in a particular place recently with some men of God and who were just chatting and things were happening and, you know, saying things and doing things. And one of them looked at me and said, sir, you wouldn't know this. This is one of the leading ministers of God in this country. He said, sir, I want you to know, sir, that from very far you have inspired me and from very close you have challenged me. He said, whenever I see you, I feel guilty. I said, why? He said, because I see a kind of consistency, devotion, and commitment that is very difficult to find. He said, I cannot tell you that I'm that committed to the call God has given me. I cannot tell you I am tenacious with what God has showed me. I have deviated left and right, moved forward and backward. I have changed guards and changed positions several times. He said, so whenever I see you, he asked me, said, are you still in learning? I said, yes. He said, you are still doing what you are doing? I said, yes. He said, my God. He said, many of us have changed ministries and nomenclatures in 10 years. To the point that we don't even know who we are anymore. At one time, we call ourselves pastors. At another time, we call ourselves prophets. At another time, we call ourselves evangelists. Then we met them and became apostles. Before we ever to became bishops. He said we have changed the make like us so many times. We have changed what God said we should do so many times. That now I don't even know what I'm called to do. He said I have amended the call. I have redefined it. I have restructured it. He said I don't even know what I'm going to do. He said so you provoke me. Now this is not an accident. This was one of my resolutions. My resolution. Was to live a life. That will make me an example to live another wonderful seed and say, My God, this is what I want. This is what I desire for myself and for my seed and for my seed. Seed. This that is number five resolution. The number six resolution was that I resolved that I was going to be a blessing and not a burden to anyone. I was never going to be a parasite. I was going to walk with my hands if there is need to walk with my hands. I was going to do for myself what I need to do for myself and I was going to be a blessing and not a burden. Nobody will look at me and call me a burden. Whether spiritually, financially, or in any area. I will not be the one who will need to be carried. I will be the one carrying people. My shoulder will be to bear other people's weaknesses. I will bear it. I will bear it Joyfully and gladly, because I know that is what Christ came to this world to reflect. He came to be a blessing. The Son of God did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and to offer His life a ransom for many. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5:2, He said, Walk in love, even as Christ also loved us, and gave Himself. Donated Himself. Donated Himself. Donated Himself. Donated himself. He gave Himself. I resolved. You see, I'm telling you the things I resolved years ago. If my life is the way it is, now it's a product of resolutions, commitment to a particular form of life, and I constantly have had to judge my performance by those resolutions. To what extent am I a blessing? God told Abraham Genesis 12:2, the fourth blessing, he said, and thou shalt be a blessing. The literal Hebrew says, I will use you for blessing. Thou shalt be a blessing. In Zechariah chapter 8 verse 13, he said, and thou shalt be a blessing. Ezekiel 34, 26, he said, you will be a blessing. So I resolved, I will be a blessing instead of a burden. I will not always have to go to people to beg them. Go to people to ask them. Go to people so that they can carry me. I was going to apply myself to my responsibilities. I've said this again and again In all the years I've been a Christian I have never been in the red financially From the beginning I resolved I was not going to involve myself in loans Getting loans, no No bank manager will say I had ever sat in front of him And started begging for overdraft Or loans Instead I've been a blessing to many of them No politician will say I've ever come to him looking for anything Paul said I have all things and I abound. I have learned in whatever situation I am in. We are in to be content. To suffer want and to enjoy plenty. is a resolution I made. If I have, okay. If I don't have, fine. Philippians four nineteen. my God supply. My need according to his riches in glory by Christ. What I have or I don't have, you can't leave it on my face. You can't leave it on my face whether I'm doing well or not doing well. The challenge is, I go to, you can't read it. Because I'm not a thermometer, I'm a thermostat. I have a calling. And I know if I stay with it, I have a life, and I know if I stay with it, never will I be a burden. Never, never. I travel the nations, I meet extremely rich people, I go from church to church, nobody at what, in a whatever place can ever say, for whatever reason, that I became a burden to them. Either because I lived in their house and I could not I either lived in a house or I lived in a hotel and I could not pay. No. The last thing I wonder I want to be is a burden. I want to be a blessing. That is a resolution I use in examining my life. Am I a blessing? Of what value am I to X? Of what value am I to Y? That is why I tell people at times, whether a church is big or small doesn't bother me. I go to small churches. It takes a big man with a big heart to go to a small church. where you know you can equally go to a big church. The grace of God and the anointing of God is better seen when you leave people out of the dust, out of the lady here, out of the dog here, that you may sit down with the prince even the prince of their their people. Never a burden, but a blessing. I remember years ago when I was going from church to church, ministry to ministry, and speaking in conferences, I made up my mind that no church will pay for my phone bills. Because some ministers are reckless. When they are guests, they do everything. They ask for everything. Even what the church cannot afford. I remember the bishop in Lagos who told me about the guest minister they were inviting. And because of the demand of this guest minister, they did something. They sold their photocopy machine. Because I wonder, how did I get to know this story? I just wanted to photocopy something. I said, please, can you help me photocopy just a page of this thing? I need it. He said, sorry, we sold our photocopy for the voice machine about three months ago. I said, why? He said, we're inviting XYZ. And he said, no way. This the amount, is this or bust? And we had to sell a photocopy machine because we are already going ahead with publicity and the program was already scheduled I said, did you tell him you sold your photocopy machine he said yes i said that he insisted you should still go ahead and pray he said yes now that's not a blessing that's a burden. that's a burden. i remember the minister was invited to a church to come and preach he asked the pastor I said this is how much i want and the pastor said we don't have that money he said don't worry just give me the opportunity i will raise the money in the church from your people, I'll get the money. Is that being a blessing or being a burden? It's an important question to ask yourself. I resolved I was going to be a blessing and not a burden. That was my sixth resolution. Then my seventh resolution. Was that I was going to live by the word of God. I was going to live by the word of God. I was going to live by faith. By faith. Matthew 4, 4. Luke 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. Psalm 119 verse 128, I have extremed your word concerning everything to be true, and that has kept me from every false way, I made up my mind that the word of God was going to be my guide. Psalm 119 verse 105, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119 verse one thirty three, Order my steps in your word and let no sin have dominion over me. Psalm 37 verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by God, I made up my mind. I will live by the word. I will use the word of God as my guide. Psalm 17 verse 4 says, "Concerning the works of men, O God, by the words of your lips I have kept myself from the path of the destroyer." Acquaint now yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto you. Job 22:22 22, 22 says, "Receive I pray you the law from his mouth and lay it up in your heart." I made up a man, I would live by the word. The word of God was going to be the most important thing. The word of God was going to be my guide, my monitor. The word of God was going to be everything to me. I was going to live by the word. Now, let me go on here. The title of the message is Living in the Power of the Spirit. Immediately, I made these resolutions to live according to the seven resolutions I just told you that have since remained my guiding light and my reference point I knew it the fact that there was no way by which by who I am and by who I was that I was going to be able to live like that without help or support or provision from God there is no way I would have been able to live the way I ought to without support from God without help from God without sustenance from God Without divine provision. There is no way I will have been able to live. Or I can live the way I've resolved. Live a life that will justify the investment of Christ in me. Live a life that will be a true reflection of my potential. Live a life that will please God. Live a life that will make me an example and an inspiration to people. Live a life that will make me a blessing instead of a burden. Live in line with the word of God. I knew there was no way I would be able to live that life without help from God. I knew that time that the help I needed was power. 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 Let me say this to you. There is nothing we do in life that is not backed by power. As you are sitting, there is a power with which you are sitting. If you lie on the bed, there is a power with which you lie on the bed. If you speak, there is a power with which you speak. So I discovered that there was no way I would be able... To stand by my resolutions, I'll see the result of my resolutions without power. I knew five things, but I did not know two things. Listen to me this morning. I knew five things, but I did not know two things. The five things I knew. Then, after the resolution was won, I knew that I needed power. I was sure that I needed power. We need power for everything we do. There is nothing you do. You don't need power to do it. If you are working, you need power. If you are training children, you need power. Whatever we are doing, we need strength. We need might. We need power to do it. I knew I needed power. I knew that what I needed was power. Number two, I also knew that the power I needed had was going to be continuous, uninterrupted power supply. I knew that I was going to need continuous power supply. What I needed was not going to be something I can have now, but may not have later. I need to be something I have now, and I will always need. I knew I needed power, and I knew that the power I needed was going to be uninterrupted power. Number three, I also knew that the power I needed was available. I knew I needed power. I knew that what I needed was going to be uninterrupted power. And I also knew that the power I needed was going to be uninterrupted, uh, was available. I knew the power was available. Number four, I also knew that there were people before me who have had access to that power and have operated in that power. I knew I needed power. I knew that uninterrupted power. I knew the power was available. And I knew there were people before me that had operated in that power. And then number five, I knew that that power can be and will be mine if I fulfill the conditions. I knew there were going to be conditions for me to fulfill. For that power to be mine. Those are the five things I knew. But there were two things I didn't know. Number one, I didn't know what the source of the power was. I knew I needed power, but I did not know what source. Is it thermal power? Is it nuclear power? Is it food power? Is it solica power? Is it physical power? I didn't know what the source of this power would be because I knew that to live like I ought to live, I needed power. The five things I knew I have said, But the two things I did not know, I didn't know the particular kind of power I was going to need. And then the second thing I did not know was I did not know how to access it. If you don't know the kind of power you need, you will not know how to access the power. When you know the kind of power you need, then you know how to access it. Five things I knew, but two things I did not know. But I've made my resolutions. I have signed it. I have sealed it and was delivered to God. And I said to God, these seven things my life will be committed to. When I look back today, I'm so glad I did. When I look back today, I know that where I am in whatever area of my life is a product of the propelling power of God that made it possible for me to live like that. I knew I needed power, but there were a few things I didn't know. the source of power was going to be and how i was going to access it so the next thing i did was to begin to research what does the bible tell us about the source of power for a new testament christian on what source of power can a new testament christian depend for his destiny for his manifestation for his being able to please god i started Researching. I didn't just research about the source of power for the New Testament. I also did research into the life of New Testament saints. To know what was the source of their power. What was it that kept them going? What was the source of their support? What was the source of their nourishment? I researched. I read the Bible through the New Testament over and over and over because I wanted once and for all to solve my power problem. Because I know when the power problem of a nation is solved, most of the maladies will be solved. The problem with the telephone system today, they say bad network, bad network. It's not bad network. It is bad power. The network providers will tell you one of their greatest problems is Power when they build their stations, they have to put the generator there to power the station. If the generator fails or breaks down because of incessant power cut, that station would provide signal for your phone, will not be able to go for as long as they are repairing that generator, or the generator is stolen. It's been discovered that many of the generators in various substations, those stations that are built, are at times stolen or broken down. If the power problem of a nation is solved, many problems will be solved. At times there is water but no power to pump it. Power failure is affecting the prices companies and multinationals are putting on their products. Because of the price they pay for diesel, fuel, and other things attracted to them. So i knew so i started i wanted to solve my power problem the first problem i ever solved in my life was a power problem the power problem i believe should be the focus of this nation first before many of the other things we are pursuing no matter what other problems are solved if the power problem is not solved no problem has been solved because everything will always go back to the power If the believer does not solve his power problem, it will manifest in various ways. And you'll be chasing shadows when you follow those manifestations and symptoms instead of the root cause. The root cause is power. Power is the root cause of maladies in churches, maladies in marriage, maladies in finance, maladies. Everything takes its root to power. As I started studying, I discovered many things. I saw Psalm 62, verse 11 Once he said it power, why twice I had it? That power belongs to God. I saw Romans 13, verse 1. There's no power that be except the end of God. I saw 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. We are kept by the power of God through faith Unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the end. Nahum chapter 1, verse 3, it says, God is of great power. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is the Lord, and of great power his understanding is understanding His infinite. I saw that God is the source of the power I needed to be able to stand by and live by what I resolved was going to be my lifestyle. I knew God was the source. I knew it was not in education that I already had. I knew it was not in the town in which I lived. And it was not in my family background. I knew it was not in my abilities. I knew that God was going to be the source of the power that I needed to stand by my resolutions. Generally, I discovered that. I discovered Psalm 66 verse 3. How terrible art thou, O Lord, in our works. Through the greatness of your power shall your enemies submit themselves to you. I saw Psalm 66 verse 7. The Lord ruled by his power. I saw Psalm 111 verse 6. God has shown to his people the power behind his works that he may give to them the heritage of the healings. When you discover the, the power behind God's work, nothing will be impossible for you to achieve. The title of my message is living in the power of the spirit. But when I started studying the lives of Jesus and all of the New Testament saints, I discovered that not just power generally, but the power of the spirit. I discovered the power of the spirit was the power I will need. Which Jesus also had for me to stay with the things I've resolved. Like Jesus also stood with the things that he resolved. I studied the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Before Jesus received the power of the Holy Spirit... We did not hear many things about him. Neither were the things that he did recorded. Everything Jesus did. Preaching, teaching. Containing aggression from the opposition. We are done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing in the public that we knew about Jesus was that he received power. And the power he received was the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said to me, what about the word? The word, the word. Let me say this to you. There is not much in the word without the anointing of the Spirit. What makes the word anything was the anointing on the word. Jesus was the word incarnate. In the beginning was the word, the word was the God, the word was God. When the word is not anointed, it can do you little good. It's not the value of the word that are spoken that matters, but the anointing on the words that were spoken. The anointing makes the word prevail. The word by itself cannot prevail, it is the anointing that gives. Edge and cutting characteristics to the word. Jesus said it in a way I like John 6:63. 6, it is the spirit that the flesh of the word profited nothing. It is the anointing on the word that makes the word anything. It's not just the word. If the Bible words were not anointed, they would not be different from newspaper words. But because the Bible words are anointed, it makes them to be different from the words. The word of God is quick and powerful. Quick. Look at that word. Quick. That is Hebrews 4. 12. The word of God is quick and powerful. What is it that gave the quickness to the word? The spirit. It is the spirit that gives the quickness and the power to the word. Sharper than any two edged yet sword. Piercing. All of those are characteristics of the word that are given to the word by the spirit. So I discovered that yes, Jesus called himself the Word, but in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he said, The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Upon who? The word that was made flesh. That was a scripture that was prophesied earlier on in Isaiah 61 1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me, anointed me to preach the anointing, is the Word, the Word of God pulls the anointing. The word that anointing is from the Spirit. I saw that Jesus was able to stand by his resolve to do the will of God. To please God. To live a standard that was a life that was a blessing and not a burden. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit that he received. John was talking about him in John chapter 1 verse 32 and 33. He said, I did not know him. But he that sent me to preach said that upon whom I see the whoever I see the Holy Spirit come and abide, He said, He is one. He is one. It is the Holy Spirit that identified the one. We are told in Matthew three sixteen, Luke three twenty two, Mark 1.10. He said Jesus went down to baptize the heavens opened, and yet descended upon him in the bodily shape and form of a dove, the Holy Spirit. And from that day the Bible tells us Acts 10 38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth With the Holy Ghost And with power Who went about doing good Healing all the oppressed of the devil For God was with him I discovered that the power That Jesus had To live the way he lived Was supplied by the spirit Philippians 1:19 Talks about the supply of the spirit There is a supply that your life gets When the Holy Spirit finds a opposition I did not just see that in Jesus I also saw in the life of the apostles Before the Holy Ghost came on them The apostles had so many problems They had problems with fear They were afraid of everybody Peter was afraid of a little damsel. They had problems with competitive jealousy James and John One wanted to sit on the right, the other wanted to sit on the left. And the Bible said the thing displeased the other apostles. They had a problem with lack of understanding. They did not know, neither did they understand. They had no understanding. They were prayerless. At every opportunity, they fell asleep. All of these weaknesses and inabilities were evident in their lives. But something happened. On the day of Pentecost, something happened. The Holy Ghost came upon them. And the weaknesses in their lives, lack of understanding of scriptures, fear, competitive jealousy. They even, you see, the apostles before the Holy Spirit came, had a wrong spirit. In Mark chapter 9, verse 38, they came and reported to Jesus. They said, we saw someone casting out devils in your name, and we forbid him, because he does not work with us. Jesus said, that's the wrong spirit. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56, they were going to pass with Jesus through a city of the Samaritans. And they would not allow Jesus Christ. They were angry and they told Jesus, let us call Father from heaven. But on the day of Pentecost, something happened. The power of God came on them. They were born again. And they started living by another source of power. You will see that the pre-Pentecost apostles became different men. The maladies that challenged them and we are evident in their lives before Pentecost disappeared. They became bold as a lion. Competitive jealousy disappeared. They discovered that the grace they had, as if we didn't do us, we are different. They gave honor to one another according to the different graces God had given them. They understood the scriptures. On the day of Pentecost, they quoted the right and proper scriptures that was in Joel chapter 2. We, before then they did not even know I had anything to do with that day. Understanding. Became manifest in their lives. Proverbs 9, 6. Forsake fools and live going the way of understanding. Psalm 119, verse 144. Give me understanding that I may live. The Hebrew says. That I may live a superior life. So I saw the Holy Spirit. Was the power. That they were given. For them to live by. Then I now saw something again. In the Acts of Apostles. I suddenly noticed. That whenever people were born again, an effort was quickly made for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was going to give them the power for the new kind of life God wanted them to live. It became became a form. It became something that was quickly done. In Acts chapter 8, verse 5 to 8, Philip went down to Samaria. And the people gave you the things that we really spoke. when they had and saw the miracles that were done by him. Unclean spirit, shouting and numbers came out of men that were possessed and men that had the palsy. We are healed. And there was great joy in the city. Immediately, the headquarters in Jerusalem had what had happened in Samaria. they didn't been them food or clothes. The Bible says in uh, uh, Acts 8 15 to 17 they sent two of their foremost leaders to go and minister to them to fill with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was going to equip them with the power they needed for the new lifestyle they never had lived before. I saw in Acts chapter ten, in the house of Colossians, the people we are gathered together. In Acts, in Acts ten forty-four, he said, "Well, Peter, yesterday this was the Holy Ghost fell. Why did the Holy Ghost fall? The Holy Ghost was going to equip them to live a life that they never lived before." Remember, the title of my message is Living in the Power of the Spirit. Living in the Power of the Spirit. I knew that the Spirit did not only give Jesus the power to live the kind of life he lived. Nobody would have gone through the pain he went through, the betrayal, the disappointments. He came unto his own. The world was made by him. He came unto his own. His own did not receive him. Nobody would have done that. Would have been able to stand the tension, the stress, the betrayal, except by the power of the Spirit. In Acts 19. Paul came to Ephesus. And the first question he asked him. In Acts 19 too. He said have you received the Holy Ghost. Since you believed. Why was that the emphasis. Because the Holy Spirit. Is the power. For living. The Holy Spirit. Is the New Testament provision. For the child of God. To live by. This conference is going to address, as it were, the place, the purpose, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lifestyle. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the place where the scripture was taken, Luke chapter 4, verse 14, listen to what it says. He said, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I looked at that scripture in New Testament interlinear translation. I looked at that scripture in several other translations, and it makes interesting reading. It's one reading that I love so much. He said, and Jesus returned, now being armed. By the spirit of God. For the life he was supposed to live. He was armed. Before then was he armed? Oh no. He needed that army. That army was strategic. That army was crucial. He returned. In the power of the spirit. Listen to this. Jesus won the apostles. He said look. With this year lifestyle I know about you. In, in Luke chapter 24.49. He said. 30 ye." in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. I looked at some translations. It says, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power. For what? For the life we are going to live. Outside the covering presence of Jesus. While Christ was there, they were both to some extent. When he left, there was nothing more they could live by. And so they ran, they hid. They were afraid and fearful. And so he warned them. You can't live this life without the Holy Spirit. You can't be that person without the Holy Spirit. Competitive jealousy will eat you up without the Holy Spirit. Lack of understanding will destroy you without the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to open the understanding. In Luke 24 on the way to Emmaus. But now that we have the Spirit, the Spirit of God will come and give us understanding. Understanding is the word of the life to him that has it. Paul was praying of the efficient Christians. He said that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know. Whatever knowledge acquired that is not through the way of understanding produced by the Spirit will be inadequate and insufficient. He says, stay in the sea of the realm until you be clothed with power. One translation says, until you are invested with Power, I like that word investure. You see, in, in, in professions, there's always a day called the day of investure when they wear a robe, or you take an off, or you put something on. And so, Jesus was saying, For the kind of life you are going to live, you need the investure of the Spirit, and until that is done, don't leave Jerusalem. One says, study in the city of Jerusalem until you are equipped or armed with the Holy Spirit. Anyone I I needed power to live that life. I'm excited when I see the life of Jesus. I'm excited when I see the life of Apostle Paul. But do you know not even Apostle Paul could live that life without being filled with the Holy Spirit? When he met Jesus on the way to Damascus, God had to send a man on his Adanias to him. Acts 9.17 The man came and laid hands on Paul. He said the Lord, even the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way to Damascus say, I shall come and pray for you that you may be healed and you will receive the Holy Ghost. And it was from then you now begin to hear about Paul. Before then it was just a zealous person whose work and labor were inconsequential. There is a source. I knew there was a source of power for me to live a life that God was calling me to. To live the life and I knew it was from the Holy Ghost. So from the first day of my life, the Holy Spirit did not take any back place. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Actually, let me say to you like this, instead of saying living in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say like this, living a life that is fueled by the Holy Spirit. Just like petrol fuels the engine of car and diesel fuels the generator, the Holy Spirit is God's fuel. For the kind of life you are supposed to live. Let me round up this message. But I need to deal with two things. Living in the power of To what extent can you say your life is powered by the Holy Ghost? To what extent? What role? And to what degree? And to what extent? Is your life powered by the Holy Spirit? I knew when I became a Christian. I made up my mind to do things. But I knew, I knew, I we need power. But I did not know what the power was, and I did not know how to tap it. And so my research brought me face to face with the power of the Holy Spirit. My research made me realize that was the power Jesus had. Acts 10 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. When you read it like that, it's a bit lost. But the literal literal Greek says how God anointed Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a person, but he has power. And so what God did was to make sure that Jesus and the Holy Spirit, two members of the Godhead, walked hand in hand. When Jesus was here, that was who he walked with. He walked with the Holy Ghost. He walked with the Holy Spirit. He lived by that. He lived by the Spirit. It was the Spirit that was the fuel. Now I want to give you six or seven reasons why you need to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why you need to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a child of God, why should I live by the power of the Holy Spirit? I'll give you six or seven reasons. Quickly. Number one. The first reason why you should live by the power of the Holy Spirit is because that was the original design of God for man. Man was made to live his life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone said, What do you mean? That was the original design in the very, very beginning. In the very, very beginning. It was God's original plan. That the Holy Spirit should fuel the life of man. And let me tell you what it is. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And. He did what? He breathed into man. The breath of life. That breath of life is the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. He breathed into man. The breath of life. And man Became. If anybody will become today It is in connection to that breath As the body without the spirit is dead If you want to live the life of a child of God Without a proper continuous connection Whereby the spirit of God will be part of your life You will be separated from life's best Because that was God's original plan He he formed man out of the dust He breathed into man the Holy Spirit And man became You can never become Without the breath of the Spirit No assembly can become Without the breath of the Spirit No man can become Without the breath of the Spirit The apostles couldn't have become Apostles indeed Just because they had the title Without the breath of the Spirit It is the Spirit That quickeneth The flesh profited nothing. You can change your title. You can change your seat. You can change the color of your building. You can air condition it. You can sun condition it. If the spirit is not there, it's dead. It's dead. That is God's original plan. And that plan has not been amended. It's not been changed. It's not been abandoned. Man is to live by the spirit of God something more than gold something more than gold the spirit of the lord in the heart of man is something more than gold more than gold something but a church is not better by reason of money more money being available a church is not better by the reason of having a new assembly a new hall a church is not better by padding the seats I'm changing your equipment. A church is better. A life is better when it is powered by the fuel of the Holy Spirit. Living by the power of the Spirit makes everything better. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. The Bible said in the faith of his spread." What made the difference? Why did his frame not spread before now? Why didn't people know that he was around? Why? Because the spirit had not started propelling. But he came back armed. Number two reason. Why you need to live a life. In the power of the Holy Spirit. It is because. It is God's recommended way to life. That is the normal life of the Christian. It is normal. Every other form. Of power propelling you is abnormal subnormal. it is recommended Jesus says do not leave Jerusalem until we be endured with power from her it was recommended for Paul it was recommended for Jesus and it is recommended for you and me and the apostles never left the upper room and they wouldn't have been able to live the kind of life that provoked others to want to follow them without the enabling grace that the spirit of God provides number three why do I need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? It is a better, qualitative way of life. It's a better way of life. This year is a year of good and better things. Thank God for the place of the Word, but without a combination of the Spirit, you can't have all that the Word can give you. Listen to this: Some people's life are powered by their feelings. Some people's lives are powered by their reasonings. When your life is powered by the way you feel, when every time it is your feeling that is most important and not the Holy Spirit, then you are fleshly ruled because feeling is the voice of the flesh. When your life is powered by reasoning instead of by the Spirit, then you are solely, propelled, and that will not make you far, take you far. The better life you and I can have is to live a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, people, they are powered by their feelings. They say, I feel, I feel, I feel. Every time they talk, I just felt like, I just feel like. It was the way I felt that made me shout. It was the way I felt that made me sleep. It was the way I felt. Which means your feeling is one part of your life. That is not a good life. That's not a better life. But at times some people are not powered by feeling. They are powered by reasoning. You see them begin to reason. But it's a different thing to be powered by the spirit. To live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I made a commitment years ago to live in the power of the spirit of God. For the spirit of God to drive me. My driving force. It is the source of my passion. It is what I'm addicted to. My reasoning may not accept it. But when the spirit says that is it i will accept it my feelings may go against it but once the Spirit of God says that is it I will accept it number four reason why you and I should live in the power of the Holy Spirit listen to this living in the power of the Spirit is the only form of lifestyle that Satan and his devils have no answer to when your life is filled by the Spirit you operate at a level at a level that the devil cannot hold you down, Jesus said in John 14:30, No, I come, and the spirit and the God of this world has nothing in me. The only solution to Satan's plot against your welfare is to have your life powered by the spirit. When your life is powered by the spirit, you become a mystery, you are an enigma to Satan. When he wants to come at you this way, but the Spirit says live that way, go this way. He says, ah. When he wants to use this sin against you, but you begin to rejoice in the Lord. That was why Paul and Silas could at midnight sing and give praises to God. It's an enigma. Somebody we are trying to do without is operating at a level that we have no solution to. That can only be a life powered by the Spirit. When the life is powered by the Spirit, Satan has no solution. He does not yet have an answer for the Holy Spirit. He has an answer for your feelings. He's got an answer for your reasonings. But he doesn't have an answer for the power of the Holy Spirit. When your life is powered by the Spirit, you are an enigma. People don't understand you. They don't know the way you take because he that is part of the spirit, is like the wind. You cannot predict. What direction will he go? What next will he say? When his life is powered by the spirit, you will know that there's no solution. One thing you need to pray is God, help me that my life will be powered by my spirit, with the spirit. Your speech is not powered by your reasoning, by your feeling, but by what the Holy Ghost give you to say. Luke twelve twelve. 12, in that same hour, the Holy Spirit will give you what you should say. Exodus four twelve. I will teach you what you should say. Exodus four fifteen. I will teach you what you will do. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit is living by a principle that is far above principalities and powers, might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. You need to live by the Spirit because of that. It is God's original plan. It is the normal lifestyle. It is a better qualitative life. It is the only form of life that Satan does not have a solution to. He cannot answer or he cannot speak again when the Spirit gives an answer. When the devil came tempting Jesus, for every question he said, Jesus by the Spirit gave him an answer. The Bible says Satan departed from him for a season. Number five, living in the power of the Spirit. Is a compliment to other things which God has ordained to power our lives. There are other things God has ordained. When you live by the Spirit, it complements them. The Word of God is one of them, prayer is one of them. You need to live by the Spirit because the Spirit of God walks hand in hand with the Word, the Spirit of God walks hand in hand with prayer, the Spirit walks hand in hand with obedience. That is why you need to live by the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, remember what the title says? Living in the power of the Spirit. Which simply means, your life is propelled by the power of the Spirit. Let me give you one more. Why live in the power of the Spirit? Because, living in the power of the Spirit makes it possible for us to receive all what the Holy Spirit can do for us and what he, we will let him do. The Spirit of God wants to do many things until we allow him to power our lives. There are many things he wants to do that he will not want to do. He will not be able to do until you and I allow him to fuel our lives. He wants to do things in a quick way, but he will not be able to do it if he's not the one power in our lives. He wants to do a variety of things, but he will not be able to do it if you don't allow him to power your life. He wants to do some things on time, but he will not be able to do it if you don't allow him to power your life. He wants to do some things in some areas which you will not be able to do if you don't allow him to power your life. If you allow him to power your life, everything he has always done or wish, or desire to do, he will be able to do. Leave it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Allow him. When you allow him, many things he wants to do, he'll be able to do it. He wants to change you. He wants to change the way you look at things. Before the Spirit started powering my life in some areas, there are ways in which I saw things. But when the Spirit started powering my life, in those areas, I saw things differently. The Holy Spirit gave me a new vision. He started helping me to look at people from the eyes of love. The Holy Spirit would pour the Spirit of love in your heart. And then you begin to see things and see people in a different way. You begin to give people the benefit of the doubt give them an opportunity to change if they can, if they want to. Living in the power of the Spirit means your life being fueled by the Holy Spirit. The idea I have is a car with a big tank being fueled in the car. When you allow the Holy Spirit to power your life, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned and with the spirit. He returned clothed with the spirit. He returned invested with the spirit. From that day forward, the spirit began to power him. Most of the problems we have had in life have been when we did not allow the spirit to power us. where we allowed our reasoning, our feelings, other people to power us. The purpose of this conference is to bring the Holy Spirit back to the place where he has final authority and it's one that is power in us. In closing, if you want to live in the power of the spirit, there are certain things you need to do, there are certain things you need to know. If you want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, living in the power of the spirit, there are certain things you need to do, there are certain things you need to know. Number one, you, you need to know that there is such a life And that such a life is possible for people to live. There is such a life. There is such a life when the Spirit of God will power. And that people have lived that kind of a life. The apostles lived it. They said in Acts 15, 28, it seemed good unto the Holy Ghost and to us. It's not what we didn't want. Is what the Holy Spirit wants Apostle Paul lived that life Jesus lived that life In Acts 16 verse 6 Acts 16 verse 7 Apostle Paul wanted to go here The Spirit said no He wanted to go there The Spirit said no You need to know that there is such a life And that such a life is possible People before you lived it People are living it now And people that are coming after you we leave it. After I became born again, I was introduced to the ministry of evangelism. And the first thing that shocked me was how the spirit of God powered everything that that man did. Powered every place the man went to. Powered everything about his life. And I looked at it and I said, is it possible for a person to live like this? When I got born again, the first step The same day I was born again, they gave me a tape by him. And I noticed how in his preaching, in his decision making, in his approach to life, he was always talking about the spirit. And the first question I asked myself is this. Is this life possible? Can anybody live this? If you are going to live a life by the power of the spirit, you will first of all accept the fact that there is such a life and that such life is possible. Number two. If you want to live in the the power of the spirit, the second thing you need to do is that you will need to make the decision concerning which we will not go back. You will make the decision. Today you will make the decision. This week you may need to make the decision and the choice that I am going to live by the spirit. I will live by the spirit. Who I marry will be dictated by the spirit. Where I live will be dated by the Spirit. What I do will be dated by the Spirit. The words that I speak will be dated by the Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 10, the words that I speak, they are not mine. You are going to make that decision. The Spirit will not come and take over when you don't make the commitment, the decision, and the choice to live that way. When I discovered the Holy Spirit was the power given to the New Testament believer, to live by. I made a choice. I've made a choice for 27 years that I've had to stay with. It's not as I will. It's not whether it looks fine. It doesn't matter the number of people that are doing it. It doesn't matter how long I've been doing it. When the Spirit says stop, that is where it stops. Philip went down to Samaria. Things were happening in Samaria. The Holy Ghost power was falling. Many things happened. (laughs) But the angel of God appeared to him and said, go, go to Gaza, which is called desert, away from the middle of a revival. many people find it difficult to live good things. Because better things may not come fully robed in a better way. The value of better things are intrinsic. They may not be visible to the eyes. The Spirit of God said to him in verse 29, Go join yourself to that chariot. You see the Spirit of God speaking to him again in verse 39. In that stand, Peter was waiting for them to prepare food. The food was not ready. He fell asleep. He saw a trance when he woke up. Someone knocked on the door and said, uh, three men are looking for you. He was saying, oh my God, I have a trouble here. The vision I have seen. I don't understand it yet. But it was nineteen, The spirit of God said to him, three men seek for you. Go with them, asking no question. You're going to have to make a choice. When you make a choice, the spirit of God may not all the time Lead you to a place that goes down with your feelings. The Spirit of God will not lead you to a place or power you in line with what goes down with your reasoning. But it is still a better idea. If you are going to be ready by the Spirit, you are going to make a choice. You are going to decide. You are going to choose. I will live a life powered by the Spirit. And wherever and whatever and whenever He wants me in a particular way, I swear to my own heart, I will not change. You're going to make a choice if you want to be led by the Spirit. Number three, if you want to be led by the Spirit, if you want to be, if you want to be, your life to be fueled by the Holy Spirit, I will say three things in one. Number one, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit yet, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be refilled always and at all opportunity with the Holy Spirit until number three, you become full of the Spirit. If you are going to be led by the Spirit, you need to know that. If you are going to be led by the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and then refilled with the Holy Ghost until you are full of the spirit. Micah 3, eight says, truly I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord to declare unto Jacob a transgression and to Israel a sin. You don't just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be refilled really and then you need to be full of the spirit. And I know during this convention there will be fantastic opportunities for you and I to work in that. You need to know that. You need to do that. Number four. If you are going to live in the power of the spirit, you need to develop an intimacy, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I love the worship that we had before I started preaching. You need to develop an intimacy. Let me say this to you. If you want supply from a person, you become close to the person. When you are close to the person, supply from the person will be a follow up because of the relationship and fellowship you have develop intimacy welcome him worship him praise him call his name spend time with him develop an intimacy the more intimate we are to God the more the things of God we get the far away we are from God, the less of the things of God we get. That's why the psalm said in Psalm 73, verse 28, they that are far from you shall perish. Jeremiah 23, 23, am I a God that is far? Am I a God that is near? James 4, 8, draw near to God, and they will draw near. Psalm 22, verse 11, be not far from you, God for trouble is near. Ephesians two, thirteen. those who are far have been made near by the blood. When you are close, intimately with a person, you are supplied. There are people who are close to me in this church. And without asking, without seeking, without begging, without doing anything, I supply. Because of intimacy. Because of closeness. Closeness brings the power of resource to bear on the recipient closeness, a walking, talking, living relationship is necessary if you need to be fueled by the Holy Spirit. This was what happened to Jesus. This was what happened to the apostles. This was what happened to Apostle Paul. Number five. Another thing you need to know and do if you need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit you will need to consistently always with reference to all things On all occasions, Look up to the Holy Spirit You will need to look up to him I like this scripture of Proverbs 3, 5 It said, trust in the Lord with all your heart Lean not your understanding Consistently look up to him Psalm 34 verse 5 We looked up to him and were lightened And our countenances were not ashamed You need to look up to him. Unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my soul? Unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my soul? Oh my God. When he knows you are dependent on him, that is one of the reasons that make him respond. You have to consistently look up to him. You know something about Jesus? When he was here, every time. When he was in a situation where he didn't help, the Bible was here and lifted up his eyes to heaven. Matthew fourteen nineteen, John 17, verse 1. He lifted up his eyes to heaven. He looked up. Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be saved all the end of the earth, for I am God and there is none beside me. Isaiah 17, verse 7. In that day, every one of us will look to, our, to him and our eyes will have respect to the Holy One of Jacob. You need to know that and you need to do that. You need to let the Holy Spirit know that he's your desire. You need to let him know. And that's why I like that song. Holy Spirit, we wait on you. Holy Spirit, we wait on you. For fire. You're waiting on him. Isaiah thirteen eighteen. He said, Blessed are they that wait on him. Psalm 25, verse 2. They that wait upon him will not be ashamed. And finally, if you are going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, let me say something to you that will shock you today. You need to get rid of some things in your life that are coming in the way of the Holy Spirit. You need to get rid of some things in your life that come in the way of the Holy Spirit. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my reigns. If there is any wicked way in me, turn me in the way of life everlasting. Proverbs 25, verse 4. Remove the dross from the silver and a vessel shall come out for the finer. 2 Timothy 1, if a man... 2 22, 21. If a man shall purge himself of these things, then shall he become a vessel. Meet for the master's use and prepared unto a good God. If certain things are not eliminated, the Spirit of God will not come in like he wants to. Get rid. I'm always examining myself to get rid of anything standing in the way of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something that stand in the way of the Holy Spirit. The way you think. The way you speak. The friends you have. The places you go. Your priorities. They stand in the way of the Holy Spirit. Your feelings must be put in the background. Your reasoning. Have no stake in this matter. Proverbs 3, 5 trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding, he did not say you don't have understanding, he said don't lean on it the Hebrew says do not look to your senses for support another says do not look to your perception for validation some people try to validate what the spirit of God is saying by reason of the way they look at it, if I looked at the way, my reasoning was telling me I wouldn't have married my wife. My reason told me, you are an of a prince, and there are of her sisters. Marry them. Is there no sister in offer, or are there no virtuous women there? Why go to Kudeti in the battle? That's what my reason was telling me. You are a prince. If your father were alive, do you think you would have wanted to marry somebody from Ibadan? Who he? You are a prince. The person I'm giving you is so close by. It's somebody you already know. This is a total stranger. if I did not do away with all those things that come in the way of the spirit, I would never have stayed in this town reasoning tells you, you have the gift, it will sell put it on the international market you have the grace it will attract attention go to one of the big cities those are but I had gotten rid of those things that come in the way of the spirit before those words started coming before those words started coming You need to deal with those things. If you are going to live in the power of the spirit, you must get rid of some things that come in the way of the Holy Spirit. Some friendship come in the way of the Holy Spirit. Brother who works in beauty. I said to him, I said, I said, let me ask you one question. I know money does not have color, but are you happy you are working in beauty? Are you happy? I remember the brother who works in a tobacco company. I said, right on the packet of what you are producing. In the natural, they wrote that the director general or the minister for health says that cigarettes smoking is hazardous to your health. I said, are you happy with it? He said, I'm not the one smoking it. I said, well, you are the one, you are the one producing it. The person who steals the product and the person who receives it and sells it. Are they both guilty of the same thing in law? Those are accessories. After, it's an accessory to the crime. The fact that you have unequivocally committed yourself to that kind of a thing in itself is coming the way of the Holy Spirit. Deep inside, you are not happy. Inside you, there is a void. If you are going to live in the path of the Holy Spirit, you are going to eliminate some things. In fact, there are some people you are going to look at, close in the eyes from this day. I used to have a friend of my ministry, a good friend of mine, but I noticed that whenever we sit down together, or we meet, either on the plane, in cities, in nations of the world, in houses, even in other people's program. The first subject he will raise is about people. Is it, is it to I said, which hale? Then you mention somebody. And you know something, every time when we finish and I leave him, people I don't know that I've never shared fellowship with, I begin to make conclusions about them. I begin to feel somehow towards them. And that's what the Bible said Thou shall not take a reproach against your neighbor. To take a reproach against your neighbor means if, for example, you and I have a relationship, but Mu'iwa is not in O.S. Goose Book, and he says something to me and my mind against Mu'iwa, with whom I have nothing, I have taken a reproach against my neighbor without knowing him intimately. I've made a decision based on somebody else's facts that cannot be substantiated. You need to get rid of some friends. They are enemies to the spirits working in your life. Living in the power of the spirit. Let me close with this. Before that scripture in Luke 4, that we read in verse 14. Well, we are told in Luke 3.22 that Jesus Christ was the heavens over the Holy Spirit came on him. That he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. And he fasted. And it was after the fasting that the scripture now says in verse 14. He returned. In the power of the Spirit. One thing fasting will do is to eliminate things standing in the way of your progress. Things standing in the way of the move of the Spirit in your life. Fasting eliminates toxic materials from our system physically and from our system spiritually. Fasting helps to bring in humility. I humble my soul with fasting. As we go into this conference, God will lay the ark to the root of trees. I do not apologize for not calling those people I don't have to call. It's not everybody that has a place in your past that will have a seat in your future. Every relationship needs to be re-examined for the critical value of what they have to serve you with. If the Spirit of God will have a free course in your life, it not the when I sit down with this man and we speak about other people, I go home and I feel unhappy. I feel poisoned. I feel pain. I feel, I feel guilt. And I said to myself, if I keep seeing this person, I will not enjoy the spirit's work in my life. So I started cutting it back gradually. Every branch that bring not fruit, he cuts. And every branch that brings fruit, he cuts. So I started redefining our relationship and fellowship until a time when I did not have to listen to people say negative things about others. James 3.2, Titus 3.2, James 4.11. He says, speak no evil of one another, speak good evil of no man. Today, ministers of the gospel know this. If I sit down with you and all you have is to talk about people, I'll stand up. I'm through. Not because of that, but because I know that People also sit and set me in places where I am not at not, And I will not join them to do what I know has harmed me in time past. I will never do it. That's when I woke up and dance at the table the mention of the children of the people. This convention is your convention. God has put it in place to equip you to live a life powered by the Spirit. You will see things. You will hear things. You'll understand things that before now we are hidden to you. But one thing I know is that at the end of this program, you will say, I'm never again the same. Because there will be a newness, a transformation. If you go through a conference of one week, and at the end of the day, there is no change, it is not God who did not do his own part. It is probably you who did not allow the Holy Spirit to do his own part. May the Lord bless you. I pray for you in Jesus' name. During this program, your ears will be open; You will hear from heaven. God, will clear those things that that looks to be confused. God will send a word to you. A prophecy will come that will address your situation. A word will come that will meet you at the point of your need. An anointing will come that will touch and change your life. You will not be weak. You will not be weary. Every session will be a new encounter for you. The Lord will send you a message. What you have been waiting on God to receive shall come to you quickly. You will hear from heaven. The word is coming from his mouth about that situation. He is going to address that circumstance. You will meet with destiny. You will collide with your purpose. You will get into the things God has always reserved for you. In the name of Jesus. The Lord will remember you for good. He will send a word of knowledge that meets that need. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come and strike you in that place where you need it most. As the blessings have been proclaimed, there they be a the release of grace. And you'll great. You'll move forward. By the power of the Spirit, you move forward. You'll become a problem the devil cannot solve. You'll become an equation the devil cannot break. The Lord will sustain you. He will give you eyes to see and ears to hear. You will know the things you need to know and walk in the things you need to walk in. Satan will not see the best part of you. This time around, it shall be permanent. This season around, it shall be done. He will complete what he has started. He will complete what he has started. He will bring to pass the purpose of his will. He will perform his true counsel. That change you need shall be carried out. The Spirit of God shall transform you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lift up your hands to God and say, God, help me. I want to live in the power of the spirit. Come on, pray to God. Stand on your feet and pray. I want to live in the power of the spirit. Holy Spirit, come and guide me into this life. Come and lead me into this life. Come and refresh me. I want to live in this life. I want to walk in this life. I want to walk in this light. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Just lift up your hands and worship him. Just thank him. Let him know you desire him. Make up your mind; you are going to respond in obedience to whatever He says. Come on, tell Him whatever He tells you to do. That's what you are going to do. Wherever He sends you, you are ready to go. Whatever He says to you, do you will do. Tell Him, tell Him, I love You, Lord. I love You, Lord. Whatever You want me to do, I will do. Wherever You send me, I will go. Hey, 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 hey! Ask for a deeper understanding of the way of the Spirit. Ask for a clearer understanding his power and his purpose in your life. Yes, tell him, I need you Lord, I need you Lord, I need you Lord, I need you Holy Spirit, I need you Holy Spirit. I need you Holy Spirit, I need you Holy Spirit. Tell him how much you need him. Come on, come on, now tell him how much you need him, I need you Holy Spirit. I need you Holy Spirit, I need you Holy Spirit, I need you Holy Spirit. come on. Come on, I need you, Spirit of the Living God. I need you now. I need you more. More than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more, more than ever before. I need you more. I need you more, I need more time. you more, I need you more, more, more than, than yesterday. yesterday, I need you more. the spirit of God saying to me all what many people have left is form and ritual and rites. The, re- the real life given presence as it were no longer is evident in your life when you reach for the Holy Spirit it brings life what we have is that we go through the motions when we are worshipping this morning. I saw many people opening their eyes. And staring. Blankly into space. The two worshippers. Worship him in spirit. And in truth. You are called to be a worshipper. But there cannot be worshipped. Without a spirit. We need our lives. To be propelled. By the Holy Spirit. Most of the time reasoning. Feelings are more important to us than what the spirit wills. The purpose of this conference is to take you back to the place where the spirit of God can have the ascendance. Every head by the head is closed. If you are born again and you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, please raise up your hand. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in the language of heaven. I speak in tongues. God bless you. Bring down your hands. For those of you whose hands are not, you did not raise up your hand the first time, I want to pray for you.